All right. Well, good morning again. Welcome to week two of Mind Monsters. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that really cool? We got the whole Monsters, Inc. theme going on. Look at this door for one second, man. Doesn't that look legit? Are you guys not as excited about that as I? Like, when I saw that, I was like, this is a freaking movie prop right here. Like, let's give it up for our uh, creative team, man, that puts this stuff together. Awesome stuff, man. So we're in week two of a series that we're calling Mine Monsters. And if you were here last week, um, you may have noticed that Pastor Trevor performed a little stunt. First time in, yeah, it went wrong. First time in Renew Church history, we did a stunt during the service. There was like a little bed here, and he ran down the aisle and jumped onto the stage, onto the bed, and almost fell. <laughs> but he made a point. So he was trying to... He was giving us like an analogy that when he was a kid, he was afraid of the monsters under his bed. So he would run in his hallway and jump over and try to land on the bed. It was really hilarious for us to see that. So in the spirit of doing stunts and, and, and things out of the box for this Mind Monster series, Trevor was talking about, you know, jumping over and, and trying to avoid your monsters. Well, this week, we're going to talk about fighting our monsters. So I'm going to box Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski, come on out, boy. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. <laughs> Guys, there's children here. Come on. Oh, man. Mind monsters. So, I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I do this. If somebody is really good at something, I say that they're a monster at it, right? Like, I think of, of Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is a monster at basketball, right? He's very good at it. Not only can... And he score, and he has good individual skills, but he can defend, he can stop other players, right? He also knows how to pass the ball. He knows how to make the people around him better. Like, he's a monster on the basketball court, right? He's very good at basketball. The opposite of that would be this. Check out this clip. Take it roll! Take it roll! Outlet! Outlet! That guy's not a monster. That guy stinks. He's really bad at basketball, right? Not like Jimmy Butler, right? That's, that's the opposite of being a monster. He doesn't have the same skills, nowhere near as good as, as Jimmy Butler. But here's the thing, too. In basketball, the style that that guy was playing, it's called iso, right? He was playing iso ball. And what that is is when the whole offense runs through you, you're taking every shot, you're not passing it, it's just all about you, you're not leaning or relying on any other teammate. It's just you taking all the shots. And if you want to win in basketball, isolation offense isn't going to do it. You're going to need to play team offense, right? You're going to need to come together as a team like it happens every year. The champions are the best team, right? The best people that play together and make each other better. So with that said, an ISO is just another word for isolation. That's all it is. is they're playing by themselves for themselves. So Isolation, and I'm going to say this and think about this throughout today's message. Isolation is not a winning formula, okay? Just think about that as we go into this message and talk about a few things. So maybe you don't play basketball, right? Maybe you don't watch basketball, and that's fine. But you do know what isolation is like. I can prove that. COVID-19, global pandemic, we all had to isolate. Right? Especially last year, everything was, was going nuts and we didn't know what to do. We were all home, just isolated. And so, ISO isolation is not only a bad formula for basketball, right? It's not a winning formula for basketball, but isolation is not a winning formula for our lives. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. So, I can prove that isolation isn't a winning formula for our lives because I have some stats here that will... That'll show us why I think that. Before COVID, right, January 2019, they did a survey. It was from January 2019 to June 2019. And they did a survey, and the results of this survey indicated that 11% of American adults reported symptoms of anxiety disorder, 
and or depression disorder. Before COVID, January 2019, they did that same survey in January 2021, so this year, this is a few months ago, that number is now 41%. It's 11% to 41% of U.S. adults reporting symptoms of anxiety disorder and or depression disorder. Not only that, suicide rates have gone up. Alcohol and substance abuse has gone up like crazy too. And now they speculate that there's, there's many variables, right, for these numbers, why these things have increased, right? The, you know, the, the pandemic, the, the not knowing what's going on, the freaking out, the, the people losing their jobs, like all these things are variables, but they, they made a clear distinction that there's one undeniable variable that helped increase all of these numbers. And it's too much isolation. Too much social isolation. Isolation is not a winning formula. And so the data is clear, right, that too much isolation isn't good for us, right? It, it not only affects our mental health, but it also affects our physical health. And I say that because if you're someone who is abusing alcohol or other substances, that's not really going to reflect great for your physical health. So it's like this compounding thing. And I didn't need these stats to know that this was true. I lived through this. Like, I was there. I was isolated. And for me, like, yeah, I was dealing with these things, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. That was, there was a ton of stress eating while we were isolating. Right? I gained some weight over this whole thing. And not only that, like I'm doing that because I'm stressed, right? I'm anxious, I'm worried about what's going on. So that has me coping in a, in a way that's not healthy. I'm, I'm eating too much. And then on top of that, I'm forming other habits, right? I'm on social media way too much. And we know that that's not good for your mental health. So you see how it's just this snowball effect of different things that affect us all because of the door opened of just too much isolation and other things just start building on that and really messing us up. So you see how, how these things snowball. And one thing that I didn't mention, and there's not really a stat for this, but another thing that took a hit is our spiritual health, right? When you take into consideration mental health suffering, physical health is struggling, right? And when those things are, are down, you're not motivated, you're not, you're not encouraged, right? Things can start falling through the cracks, and one of those things is our relationship with Jesus. Let's be real. Over the pandemic... How many of us just weren't as encouraged to pray as much as we used to or talk to God as much as we used to or do the, just do the things of God like we used to because we were just struggling in all these other areas? Let's just be honest. And so we take all of this into account, right? Physical health, struggling. Mental health, struggling. Spiritual health, struggling. What a perfect opportunity for temptation to run rampant in our lives. Old things that we thought we gave up and we weren't going to entertain anymore, things that we know that we shouldn't be doing, things that aren't beneficial for us, right, things that are just sinful, things that we shouldn't be doing. This isolation is a perfect cocktail for us to be tempted by some of these old things. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in here or some of us in here started watching porn again. I wouldn't be surprised if some of us in here started abusing alcohol and other substances. I wouldn't be surprised if some of us in here started up a relationship with somebody that they knew wasn't really a healthy relationship, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a racial relationship for the right reasons. Man, overeating. <laughs> you have all this time, overeating, overspending, right? Amazon was, was loving this. All these things that aren't beneficial, that aren't helpful to us, that don't help our mental, physical, and spiritual health, Isolation puts these things on blast. So we're going to open this door today because the monster that we're talking about <laughs> is isolation. You guys can clap for that. That was really cool. Isolation is a monster. 
Too much ISO is not good. We, we're clear on this, right? Like, the data shows it. Like, I mean, we lived it. We know this. Too much isolation isn't good. And the Bible and science both indicate that we were not made for isolation. Like, human beings, we're, we're social beings. We're, so, we're supposed to be in community. It's good for our overall well-being. It's how we're made And so let's check out Hebrews 10, 23 to see what it says about community and isolation. I'm just going to give some context to that. The book of Hebrews was written to the church over 2,000 years ago. Um, and it, the main thing was it was trying to encourage them to persevere in their faith when they were going through a really tough time. And so we're going through a really tough time. So you see how the value and the truth of this scripture is still relevant to us even today. So let's get into it. Verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. In other words, let's remember the hope that we have in Jesus. And when we're struggling, when we're going through these hard times, let's remember the hope that we have in Jesus. Let's remember what he's done for us and not let go of that. It says, let's also think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. In other words, let's motivate each other to live right, right? And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So let's talk about a few things. This passage is talking about and encouraging us to persevere in our faith, right, when things are hard. And it says, hey, that first thing that you're going to do, hold on to Jesus, right? Hold on to the hope that we affirm, right? Remember what he's done for you. Keep your eyes there. And it just, but it doesn't end there. That's not the advice. The advice is that, hey, when you're going through tough times, when you're struggling, when you're, when you're going through these different things, just only focus on Jesus. That's not what this passage is telling us. That's the first thing. That's where it starts. And in that, it then mentions, let's motivate each other and not neglect meeting together as some people do. So it's like suggesting that these people who have neglected the meeting are not doing something right. They're, they're missing the point. It's taking it pretty serious. What in the world does that have to do with our faith persevering in our relationship with Jesus? Well, to not gather is to isolate. It's to isolate yourself from believers, from your brothers and sisters in Christ. So what? Who cares? Why does that matter? Well, what happens when we isolate? We just talked about it. Physical, mental, spiritual. See, if we neglect gathering, right, if we, if we just don't prioritize it, it's super easy for us to get off track. Come on. Let, let's just be real, man. It is so easy for us to get off track. And so when we do that, we're opening ourselves up to these temptations, right, old, new. And if we're not, if we're not meeting, if we're not prioritizing gathering and being with other people and, and doing this thing, and we begin to spiral Spiritually, who's there to keep us accountable? Who's there to pick us up? Who's there to encourage us and encourage us and motivate us? That's called Lone Ranger Christianity. And you know what a Lone Ranger is? A dead ranger. Lone Ranger is a dead ranger. So why, why do we gather? Why does the church come together? Why is this, why is this, this, this advice in, in Hebrews? Many reasons, but two that we're going to talk about today is accountability and encouragement. Two things that we all need. Nobody in this room, including myself, is above needing accountability and encouragement. It's essential. It's, it's in the same breath of saying, hey... Focus on Jesus 
and don't forget to gather. That important. Why? Because again, let's just be honest. We can all be victims of too much isolation and just getting off track. Every single one of us can be a victim of that. But gathering puts us back on track. It, it, it reels us in. It, 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 it lifts us up to get this thing going. And so let's break down this passage again. So it's telling us that to, to persevere, we got to first remember Christ, right? Affirm the hope. Hold on to that. Remember what he's done for us, right? In that, we got to meet, right? Don't neglect the meeting. Do all these things. Encourage each other. Because here's what it's, what's at stake. If we isolate way too much, if we're not gathering, if we're not in, in fellowship, if we're not hanging out, we can go down a rabbit hole, right, spiraling out of control, poor mental, spiritual, physical health, and we can end up in a place where we don't even remember what Christ did for us. We don't even remember the hope that we had for us. It's not even something that's on our minds. It's just, oh, yeah, that Jesus thing. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know about him. But there's no following. There's no prioritizing. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, the Jesus thing. And so it says, at the end of that, it says the day of his return is drawing near. And we believe that Jesus is coming back. And we want to make sure that we're all on track. Th that's what this is about. Like this is saying Jesus is coming. We've got to make sure that we're all committed. That we're all doing this thing together. Lone Ranger is a dead ranger. We've got to do this together. Isolation can take us to a dangerous place. Entertaining old sin or indulging in some kind of new sin... And just going down that path with no accountability and, 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 and no want or need of accountability, right? Like, you don't even think you need it. You're just like, I don't care. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm gonna, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it. Who's there to tell me that I can't? If you go down that path, it's not a place that we want to be, but we got to be honest and realize that that's a place that we can be. If we don't do the things necessary to make sure that we don't go down that route. Again, none of us is above that. So let's get into verse 26. It says, dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth. In other words, if we experience the hope of Jesus, right? We know what he's done for us. We've experienced his forgiveness. And we purposely and habitually just sin and not care and do whatever we want. This is what it says. There is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. It's a scary verse. A serious verse. If we neglect what Jesus has done for us and just live however we want and are not committed to following him and we just <laughs> govern our own lives and yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing that but it makes me feel good. I'm going to do it. I know I shouldn't but who cares. It's just a sin. God takes that seriously. God doesn't see it as, oh, it's, yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want, buddy. God takes it seriously, man. I don't want that for me, and I don't want that for anyone. I, I don't. That's horrible. What a horrible place to be. That's why it's so important for us to persevere in our faith, man. It's so important for us to stay committed to following Jesus, even in the hard times. It's one of the reasons why Jesus even formed his church. It's so that we can support each other. 
so that we can lift each other up, so that one of, when one of us is falling or, or messing up or getting off track, we have people, a team of people, who are there to pull us back on track in love. Right? In love. Like, I, I'm going to be honest. Keep me accountable. I gained too much weight during COVID. I need to lose it. Keep me accountable. Don't tell me I look good. Just kidding. Tell me I look good, please. <laughs> but seriously, hey, Mikey, how's your physical health, man? What are you doing to improve that? Oh, nothing? Okay, how can I help you? How can we get that going? You see, like, you can keep somebody accountable in a loving way. You don't have to say, hey, cheeseburger eater, quit it. Like, no, it doesn't have to look like that. But you should keep me accountable. We should keep each other accountable, especially when we start going off track. It's loving. It's good. It's right. We need it. I need it. We need it. And if we isolate, where are you getting that from? Bedside Baptist? Like, we need to gather. By the way, Bedside Baptist isn't a church. It's a joke. You guys are like, man, this guy's talking about other churches. <laughs> and so we got to gather, right? We've got to keep each other accountable. But so what does this mean, Mikey? Like, this, this sounds good, right? This sounds like it makes sense. But what does it actually mean? Does it mean that the expectation is that we're all going to be perfect? No way. No, that's not the expectation at all. We're still going to sin. We're still going to fall. But when we gather and we prioritize that, we got people who are going to pick us up. We got people that when we go off track, they're not going to allow us to stay there. They're going to bring us back on track. That's what that means. Does it mean that if you don't go to church every week and you're at every event and, and, and you're, not, you know, you're not at these things, does it mean that you're bad and that you're isolating yourselves and that you're going down a bad path? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But I will tell you this. We do make time for what we prioritize, whether you realize it or not. And if you hardly have any time to gather, hardly any time to, to come and, and be with brothers and sisters and and just gather. Then I would have you to really consider whether you prioritize it that much or not. And I would encourage you to think about it and see what you can do to, to make the time for it. So gathering, right, church, coming together, hanging out, none of this stuff should be seen as things you have to do. It's something that you get to do. What do I mean by that? I love this argument. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Good for you, you're right. In the same way that I don't have to take my wife on dates to be married. But I do it because I get to. I get to take my wife out on a date. I get to buy her flowers. I get to tell her that she's beautiful. I get to do those things for the benefit of my relationship. It's healthy for my relationship to do that. It's a privilege and a blessing. The same thing with our faith. You get to come together. You get to know some people who want to see you win. You get to be with some people who are praying for you and encouraging you. It's a privilege and a blessing. It's not a burden. How, how is that a burden? And the same, it's not a burden for me to take my wife out and invest in our relationship. It's a privilege. It's a, it's a blessing. Same thing with our faith. So don't ever come to me with that stupid question. So how do we get practical? How do we take all that we're taking in and dissecting and actually apply it to our lives? Got a few suggestions. 
talk about it all the time, and I'm going to continue to talk about it because I believe in it. Join a small group. If you're not in a small group, get in a small I don't say it to, like, plug and, like, no, I say it because I believe in it. Join a small group. If you don't know how to do this, if you're like, well, how do I gather? How do I be in relationship? How do I? Join a small group. If you're not in one, get in one. Try it. If it doesn't work, come back to me, and I'll figure something out for you. But don't come to me saying, I don't have time, and I don't know how to do this. And What do you mean I got to get? Go to a small group. If it doesn't work, come back. We'll figure something out. But stop with this thing of like, well, how do I? Join a small group. Join a small group. Join a small group. Another thing that you can consider is come to church regularly, man. If, if it's something that you just struggle to get to, come to church regularly. Begin to, to build relationships with people, right? Be, begin to serve. Like, like be a part of what we're doing so that you're meeting other people and people are getting to know you. Like be a part of what's going on. Come regularly. Introduce yourself. Hang out with Obed. He's a great guy. Like come regularly. Be a part of what we're doing. It doesn't have to be legalistically. You have to come every single Sunday. No. But prioritize it and take advantage of it. It's a privilege and a blessing. Another thing that we can do is we can meet regularly with a Christian friend. Right? Somebody that we trust, somebody that we know. Just meet up regularly, get some coffee, grab a bite to eat, and just talk about your life. Hey, man, this is what I've been going through, man. Please pray for me here. Hey, what do you think I should do about this, brother? How can I pray for you? Like, just be real. So often we have conversations with people, and I, I, I hate this. Hey, how are you doing? Good. No, you're not good. Everybody's good? Are you kidding me? Everybody's good. There's no way. Like, what is it? I'm good. No, you're not. Tell me what's wrong. I'm good. No, you're not, bro. Meet up with people. Let them know, hey, I'm not good. I, I'm actually struggling really bad right now with my. I'm actually str- like I'm like be real. You miss out on the blessing. We do this stuff to ourselves, guys. Come on. Find somebody. Meet with them, man. Share your struggles. Consider all of these things, man. So this is, this, is, this is the message, man. This is what I want you guys to walk away with today. We can't win. We can't do this race of faith. We, we, we can't do none of it. We can't win playing ISO. It really takes a team effort. It does. It's what the author of Hebrews is suggesting, man. When you're struggling, when you're going through it, prioritize Jesus, but do not forget to gather, as some people do. And he mentions it. It's right there. We can't read scripture and just take out the parts that we don't want to hear. Can't do that. And here's the thing, too. Like this, none of this is to condemn you or make you feel bad because I'm, I'm with you. I'm struggling. Like, I joke about my weight, but, like, I, dude, I'm on my phone way too much. That's not good for my mental health. Like, I need people in my life encouraging me and keeping me accountable. And, like, hey, are you setting parameters on these things? Because, you know, if you start doing this too much, like, your relationship with your wife's going to be affected. And all these things are going to be affected. Like, I need people speaking into my life. It's, this isn't to scare me. This is to encourage us that we have this opportunity to not have to go through it alone. So it may feel like, man, what do I do? This is me. Okay, good. Now come. Like, good. That's a good place to be. If you're feeling like, oh, man, this is me. I do this way too much. I am isolated. I'm not sharing my life with people. Good. Let's not stay there. Come on. Like, let's go. Come on. Get on board. Join a small group. Come to church. Meet me. I'll come hang out with you. I don't care. Like, don't stay there. Come, take a step. So maybe you're hearing the message, and maybe you're like, 
okay, it sounds cool, but I don't, I don't really know what Jesus has done for me. Right? Like, I don't, you're talking about, Mikey, don't forget, uh, remember uh, all of this stuff, but I don't know what he did. What am I supposed to remember? And that's okay. But you're going to hear about it right now. Here's what Jesus did. Here's what we need to remember. A little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came down to earth. Son of God is God. Came down on a mission. Came down to pay a debt. Because here's the thing. We're disasters. Every single one of us is a disaster. We've fallen short. We've made horrible decisions. We've made mistakes. We've hurt people. We've hurt ourselves. We've been hurt. It doesn't take a genius to know that we're all disasters. Right? We have all rebelled from God and not living by his moral law. Right? He has a way that he would have us to live that is beneficial for us, but we chose to just neglect it and do our own thing. Right? This started in, in the garden, man. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were meant to, to live on for like forever. There was this, this tree in the garden that if they ate from it would just continue to give them life. But because they sinned, because they rebelled against God in the way that he would have them to live for their benefit, there was a penalty for that. Justice had to be served. And that penalty was, was death. Human beings now die, right? From that moment on, we live and we die as a result of the penalty against God. Because God is just. Here's the thing. God is just in the same way that if somebody murders five people, they need to go to jail. That's justice. Does it matter if they serve at their church? I don't care if they're a pa- I don't. It doesn't matter. You murdered five people. You transgressed the law. It doesn't matter how many good things you do. There, justice needs to be served. We would all agree with that, right? And it's the same thing with our sin. We've transgressed against God. We neglected his moral law. We broke it. And now we're in this place where we are guilty as charged. We can't earn our goodness, right? Like there is a debt that needs to be paid because we are separated from God because we chose to separate ourselves from God. And so what did God do? Did he just leave us there? Did he say, oh, you dumb creation. My goodness. Did he do that? No. No, he didn't. He could have. But here's what he did. He said, I'm going to give these people an opportunity to be restored back to me, to have that debt paid. And so here's what he did. If you were in a courtroom and you had a stack of speeding tickets against you, right, you were, you were guilty, you violated the law, you're in court, and the judge is now saying, hey, listen, you have this stack of speeding tickets against you, right, there's a huge fine you're guilty. Something needs to be done. Justice needs to be served. You can't pay for this, and this is a serious situation. That guy can't say, oh, but judge, forgive me. I, I feed the homeless. No. You transgress the law. Justice needs to be served. So here's what Jesus did. In that situation, right, of our speeding tickets, it is legal and just for an innocent man to come into that courtroom and pay the fine that we owe. That is legal and just. The judge will say, the debt has been paid. You're free to go. You're done. Go. You're a free man. You're a free woman. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Innocent man. Never sinned. He stepped in and paid the price that we should have paid. Our penalty was death. And Jesus came in and said, don't worry about it. I'll pay the fine. And if you believe in what Jesus did on the cross, him sacrificing himself, giving up his innocent life so that a debt can be paid for someone who is guilty, if you believe in that, the debt is wiped away. You're forgiven of your sins. You, you are a brand new creation. When God looks at you, he no longer sees, 
sees your, your mistakes, your sins, your past, your whatever. He doesn't see none of that. All he sees is Jesus, the perfect image. It comes over you. And so, understanding this is, 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 it could be hard. There's a lot of pride involved. Let's just be honest. There's a lot of pride. I don't want to be a bad guy, right? Like, we don't want to see ourselves as people who are transgressors. It's not fun. But it's real, man. It's just, it is what it is. What are we going to do with that? We know it. We're not perfect. But the good news, right, the gospel, it's a very churchy word. The gospel is that if you believe in Jesus, all that stuff is wiped away. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It's to acknowledge what he did on the cross. Acknowledge what you've done. Saw that he paid the price when you should have. Believe in that. Transfer your trust from yourself to him. Trust him with your life and follow him. It's a transfer. You're no longer the God of your life. You're no longer running the show, but you're saying, thank you for the price you paid. You get to drive. He earned it. He deserved it. And if we do that, guys... After this life, you get more life. <laughs> and it's so awesome. Heaven is awesome. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no drama. There's no heartache. Bro, it is the best thing in the world. That is the hope that we affirm. That is the hope that we look to. So that regardless of what happens, like life is hard. And here's another thing. I'm not going to like just give you this sales pitch Jesus thing. It's hard. There are struggles. There are challenges in following Jesus, of course. But how, how on earth can we do it? Because of the hope that we have. Something better is coming. And we have each other. Lone Ranger, Dead Ranger. But together, we can persevere. We can. It's the Bible. So if maybe if, if you've heard that before, you've heard of what Jesus has done, but you, you never actually took it serious and considered where you are in this whole story, I would encourage you to do that right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to really say, yeah, God, I... I am a sinner. I have neglected you. I, I don't deserve anything. But you love me anyway. Like, I'm going to give you that opportunity to, to really sit on that. And you can give your life to Christ. You can transfer the trust from yourself to him. Turn from your ways and receive forgiveness of sins. And a new life, a new heart. It's the best thing in the world. And so I'm going to pray a prayer and just repeat it to yourself. But it's it's... It's not the prayer that saves you. It's not a ritual thing. Like, no. It's the heart behind the prayer. It's the internal decision to say, yeah, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I, I, I acknowledge you. So pray this prayer with me with all heads bowed and eyes closed. And if this is you, man, if you're feeling this, if you've never actually made this decision, just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I am not deserving of your love and grace. So that's why here and now, I believe in what Jesus did on the cross. And I am choosing to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. as I trust you with my life, as I hold on to the hope that you offer, and I gather with my brothers and sisters.
Jesus' name. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we, um, I mean, if nobody did, I mean, it is what it is, but if you did, we have a Bible for you. We want to give you something, man. We, 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 don't, we don't want this to just be like a, hey, you got your salvation. Go out there and figure it out. That would be contrary to what I just preached. If you want to follow Jesus, if you really want to be real about this, man, would you lift your hand to let us know that you did that? Praise God. what it's all about. Hold on to our faith. Remember who Jesus is. Let's not forget to gather. Pray with me, guys. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for who you are, God. We pray that you would encourage us to to gather, to get out of our comfort zones, Lord, and be able to experience the blessing and privilege of gathering together as brothers and sisters, Lord, to have some people speak into our lives and pick us up and encourage us and push us forward because we need it. Help us to do that, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
What a good word, Mikey. Man, what a blessing. Just shows the importance of coming together and doing what we do here so God can do what he does. And so uh, on your sermon notes, we have we have some of the things that Renew Church is, is doing and what, what Renew Church is about. And first on the list was Grove Track. And we had our first one for this month today, so if you missed that, it's okay. We do it every month. Let's try and uh, get you plugged into it so you can learn about Renew Church and, and Renew Church can learn about you. And if you want to be a part of serving, this is the perfect way to, to get plugged in. And uh, October 31st, we're having a truck, trunk or treat. So we're going to decorate trunks and open up the, the church to the neighborhood, let the kids come through and have a safe environment to, to just be loved on. And if you, you want to participate, you want to have a trunk, see Mikey, and he'll give you all the ins and outs of that, and, 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 and third on the list is small groups, what an important part of a gathering, what an important part of a church, um, if you're not plugged into a small group, come see me at the, there's a tent outside, it's the Next Steps tent, and I'll give you a, a list, and there's like seven small groups that we're doing, ranging from all ages, all flavors, all tastes, and man, it's really important that you get plugged in, and, and of course, uh, Friday nights, Mikey does misfit youth and my kids are a part of that and what a powerful thing they're doing and they're loving on our kids and giving them just a foundation in Christ and just some renews doing some wonderful things and uh, I just hope that you're taking advantage of them and getting plugged into a small group also uh, we have three ways to give uh, we have the little envelopes in the back of the seats you can put your offering in there and drop it off in Obed in the back uh, or you can do it online and renew.miami.giving. Uh, and of course, you can text. And uh, when you text, and let me tell you, you're giving your offerings and your, your tithes, man, they're being used in such powerful, wonderful kingdom building ways. And I just thank you. Thank you for, for, for Renew Church and for those of you that are supporting us. So let me pray over the offering and then I'll let you all go. But Father God, I just thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for uh, just using us the way that you are. God, I would pray for the, the, uh, the neighborhood that surrounds this church. God, I pray that your spirit would just move through these homes and let them know that uh, if they don't know you, that this would be a good place to come and find out about you. And if they do know you and they don't gather like your word says they should, God, I pray for your spirit to move in them. Uh, and I talked to a young man this morning who who just wandered in off the streets and came to, came to be with us. So, Father God, if it can happen once, it can happen again. So move these hearts, Lord. God, take this offering, take our tithes and multiply them, God, and, and use them to expand your kingdom. God, we love you. We trust you. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.